Welcome to another episode of Everything 3P. And we are honored to have Daniel, a 3P seller, join Dave and I in today's discussion. And I'll tell you what, this was a very interesting uh, turn of events because I actually had uh, enforced against Daniel and his 3P company. And then he <laughs> recommended us to one of his clients. <laughs> that was one of the craziest things that we have ever seen. So without further ado, I want to introduce Daniel. Daniel, go ahead and uh, talk about yourself, if you would. Okay. Well, like, like you said, uh, we had a run-in uh, with one of uh, my vendors. And uh, I think I, you know, I sent that email to my, my client just as a, you know, hey, these guys are good. And by the way, you know, thanks, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it ended up turning into a great relationship. And uh, I really do think, you know, our brands need a company like you to help. And, and as I mentioned in our, our, our call the other day, um, we've tried, we, we, we do try to bring more value to the table for our brands, but it, it just trying to identify every map violator and all these other, it's just while we can help, you know, produce, produce these reports for the brand to act upon. They're just, it's just not their area of focus. It's really not our area of focus right. and they need experts in that, in that area. So yeah, I like to, you know, use and recommend services I've tried or been the victim of. And, uh, you know, y'all are great. <laughs> and I, I guess think, that's where know, Dave Powell comes into play here, too. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. No, and I appreciate it. And I think there's a, a little stigmatism, too, because we have a lot of manufacturers, a lot of brands that listen to, you know, our podcasts, our webinars, read my white papers. And there is that little stigmatism of, oh, third-party seller, oh, bad, oh, bad, yeah. right? And yeah. and that's really not the case, right? Um <clears throat> With, with every one of our manufacturers we work with, they have authorized and unauthorized third-party sellers. Now, how do you define that? I think it's it's kind of not always black and white when you really look at what a what an unauthorized third-party seller is. And that's kind of how, how and like you said, you, you received some notices from us, but it's how we interacted with you that is why we're on a call today, right? We, we treat everybody as good faith. We think everybody goes into everything that they do in good faith until we're proven otherwise, um, or at least they, they prove to us otherwise. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of these instances, when when someone like yourself buys these products, they're getting them through distribution. There's always this, this understanding that, okay, I bought it, you know, first sale doctrine, whatever you want to quote it. I bought it through an authorized distributor. I have invoices. Now I'm going to go sell this product. Well, if there's no clear guidelines, you're going to sell the product however you can. And if you're not truly, we're, we're, when I say truly authorized, like you're not under a reseller agreement by the manufacturer, how would you know what map policies you have? What price points you should? You may have an MSRP, but what's human nature going to dictate when you got 94 sellers all scratching for the buy box? Human nature will go down. So it's all about opening up that communication. So what we've done, you know, Maurice and I at Hound Associates, We've started looking at this going, you know what? Every third party is good faith. We're going to approach them as that. We're going to educate them, understand where they have purchased the product. And if they're moving product the right way and they, they come at it well, we're going to go to bat and say, you know what? Maybe this is somebody you should look at becoming authorized yeah. because they opened up a dialogue with us. And, and the ones that don't and the ones that refuse and you know, we get all these threatening New York, New Jersey letters that are going to sue us and everything. Okay, well, if you're going to come at us like that, well, maybe you're not good faith. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt until the next conversation. But if if you instantly come out swinging, I, I mean, why? What do you have to hide? So I think it's it's interesting. I, I 
really appreciate you taking the time today because it, it's a testament to not only the communication that Maurice and I really try to do both on behalf of the manufacturers and how to treat third-party sellers, but also someone like yourself to go, listen, these guys, they're going to come after you. They're really good at what they do. You should talk to them. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, well, that's a little, that's a little, uh, it's uh, a, strange, yeah, different, but, but you, yeah, but you need to be different yeah. as a third-party seller online, especially, uh, for third-party marketplaces. Um, the traditional seller can't survive, uh, the way they've been doing it, the retail store, it just, it's a whole other business to learn. And uh, you can only hide from the brand so long, especially now with Amazon publishing all the storefronts, you can get really sophisticated and trying to hide where you're at. But in the long run, it's, it's a lot of stress, you know, to be deceptive. And uh, it is. And I, I always wondered, you know, because I'm not on the third party seller side, but a lot of these third party sellers that that get product and maybe you can talk to this a little bit if you don't have a direct line to, to good product that's good distribution on an ongoing basis how can you really build a business on that if you're no, always you wondering i'm going to get shut down over here they're going to remove me from here and i i am like wouldn't wouldn't third-party sellers that want to create a, a legitimate good stream of business want to work with as many manufacturers as possible so they have that flow of product not one and done, right? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I was able to sneak out a $20,000 PO. Oh, we're going to make money. What's yeah. next month? I don't know. Are they going to shut me down this month? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Relationships scale and yes. uh, you have to have a relationship. And if you have any kind of, you know, serious relationship with your manufacturer, they need to know about you. They need to be able to trust you. And uh, that's, that's the approach we have ever since, you know, the COVID thing, we really kind of shifted our, our, our focus to what we do best. And it's, and it's online. And as you, as you said, you can't scale one-off type stuff. And, the, and most of these uh, these third-party sellers started out, and, and a lot of them as retail arbitragers. Yeah. And they've, they've tried to take that same mentality to wholesale. And it, it doesn't work like that. You can only do it for a little bit of time. It's not a one-hit, get it and run. Uh, if you want to scale, you basically just create a job where you're running around always trying to look for the you know the next thing right. instead of actually being able to focus on, on, on your core competencies. And, uh, and it's a hard leap to make for a lot of these sellers because it's a, it's a completely different mindset, but it's in order to have this kind of relationship with the brand, you have to, you have to evolve and become that kind of seller. Right. So, so why don't you do, do this a little bit? Why don't you, uh, if you don't mind, you obviously re, you know, you were on the receiving end of, uh, of our communique, we'll say that. And, uh, um, um, I'm going to just assume that you fell into compliance at some level. That made mm -hmm. everybody happy because we're all think, smiling on the call today. Yeah, I uh, sent him the, the head counsel at the vendor and, you know, plus a, you know, a large PO. And I was like, call this guy or, and talk to my lawyer in the same thing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, you know, I love when, whenever a third party seller sends us their purchase order at, at that point, now I'm on behalf of the third party seller because yeah. nobody's going to just do that out the door, right? They're not going to go, hey, I bought it from here. Here's who I bought it from. I talked to this guy. When we received that, the, con the conversation next goes back to the manufacturer going, okay, you guys have a problem in your distribution, yep. in your sales team. We need to nip that in the bud before we can go and enforce these people. But why don't you talk a little bit about the conversation that you had? We don't need to talk about names or brands or anything, but when you had that conversation and, and, and that thing arose where you're like, well, you should, you should maybe give uh, Maurice and Dave a call over there. Um, yeah. Maybe talk a little bit about where your mind was with that and why that's important. Or why do you think, you know, why do you think someone like Maurice and I, and, and, and I'm not here to plug how and associates by any means, but somebody like us 
to keep those channel clean, to enforce the brands, but also uphold the third-party sellers, right? There's got to be some level playing field out there. So I'd love to understand it from mm -hmm. your perspective. Well, uh, it's the law of supply and demand, right? As, as demand stays the same and supply increases, prices will fall. Um, and you see that online, the more, you know, listing saturation you have, the more sellers deep you have on an individual listing and they're all using anybody that's large is going to be using some form of automated pricing. It's going to try to win the buy box. And, uh, it's just inevitable. Even if the, 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 the sellers are part of a map agreement, if they're not moving product, they're going to either have to pull it back and liquidate it or liquidate it online and just sever the relationship with their brand. And so over time, the brand's value perception is going to erode and that's dangerous because what remains of the retail store is going to be, you know, not able to move their product. So it's very important that the van brand's value perception stay uh, and the brand integrity, you know, stay in line online. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I just think it's a, you know, it's, it's the, it's the way forward. It, the brand, the brands do not, you know, actively engage in, in monitoring online, it's, it's bad for everybody. And yeah. I don't want to be a seller on a listing where the, 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 the sales reps think that the more sellers, the better, yeah. because unless those sellers are actually invested in growing the brand, you're really just cannibalizing sales. And uh, it's just, it's just not good for anything. So that's, that's one of the things when I talk to a brand we're approaching is, Hey, I'm willing to invest in listing creation, listing optimization, products that other sellers aren't representing online your entire catalog and hey in addition to that i'm going to devote this much in ad spend yeah. to have your brands showing up on competitor brands listings um so there, there needs to be a different approach uh from both the the, the vendors and the third-party seller uh in this in this kind of new relationship and if it doesn't happen it's just it just it just goes bad for everybody well, and we're finding that, you know, um, traditionally, you know, after, you know, 19 years in this industry myself, uh, you know, traditionally, it's only been the manufacturers that, that I've worked for. Um, over the last two years, um, you know, half our clients are third-party sellers. And they're, they're third-party sellers, just like you said, where the manufacturer, the brand, they're not in a position or they're, they, they're like, well, we're not going to go hire Helen Associates. We're not going to hire this law firm. We're not going to hire a channel compliance company. But the third-party seller is like, well, we need this. So we, we'll be engaged and paid for by the third-party seller. And we'll get the reports and everything from the third-party seller. And then we then work with the manufacturer for the approval to go clean that up. And it becomes a very symbi symbiotic relationship where it, it, the, the third-party seller is the ones with a really finger on the pulse, right? Because what is the manufacturers looking at? They're, the, you know, when you incentivize a sales team for the amount of sales that they have, all they're going to do is they're going to push out sales. They're not going to look at those. Now, down the road, you get the holy crap factor, right? Where they're like, we had no idea. And then executives get involved and all your know, brand integrity issues like you talked about. But you almost have to have that level of channel compliance. And sometimes it is going to be that third party seller that wants to be good faith, wants to move a lot of product and wants to create that whole brand for the Amazon marketplace. Cause that's, you know, that's 85% of where the traffic's going in North America. So how do you do that? Right. You almost have to engage someone like us because as a third party seller, you cannot enforce on other third party sellers. Uh, you know, that, that opens up you to liability, opens up the mm -hmm. manufacturer liability, collusion issues. Yep. So having an intermediary is where we come in and we enjoy those re relationships because we can come in to someone like yourself 
And then all of a sudden we're working with four or five different brands, albeit on a much discounted um, um, way, but it doesn't matter. It's more of because now we're capturing more to, to clean up more of that channel that supports you, supports the manufacturer. And in the end, it makes the consumer and the marketplace cleaner. So, you know, again, we're doing God's work. Yeah, no, I, 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 that's why I recommend you, even though it was like, like I said, it was not that he was ever, you know, it was very professional, professional, scary, you know, and it, you know, I immediately like rallied the troops to deal with it. Um, and it, and it letters, came in a, letters yeah. are a little intimidating. I know, I know. Yeah. And it, it happened, like I said, right at the, like, as April was, oh, I think it was March or April, not, no, maybe May, April, May, when really the eyes were coming on, on to online, the brands were shifting, you know, I guess they, nothing else to do when you're locked down yeah and so I, I had to deal with you know some major brands reaching out at that time and uh you know threatening to shut me down and i'm like hey wait, i have the invoices i have the conversations your left hand's not talking to the right hand yeah. and uh so yeah it was it was stressful at the time you know i'm like really guys you know yeah at this point like this is what you're gonna do um but it is as you said it is very important and it is when i when I approach a vendor, when I, I send them and say, Hey, this is here are all your listings yep. here in the last 30 days, how many sellers were on those listings? Here's the listing saturation of those sellers. You had 20% growth in sellers of merit in the last 30 days. And it's growing at 20%. And, you know, something has to happen at the brand level when you realize that, Hey, this is not good. Like I can't have, 400 relationships with individual sellers. Like yeah. I, I, I need to, there needs to be some kind of tryout program. And this is what I'll tell my brands. I was like, yeah. all right, yes. You hear the word Amazon or third party and immediately like shut off and you, you know, it's going to be a hard sell. And that's why you need us when you're, when you're talking to these brands, you need to try to get as high level as you can yes. uh, at the brand because they're in a position to take a chance on you. If yep. they're simply, if they're curious, even if they have a no Amazon seller policy, if you talk to the right person, Yes. And you have the right level of expertise and you raise their curiosity and you're like, try me. I'll be completely transparent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just, just see what I can do to help you. And if you're not satisfied, we'll part ways. Uh, and, and, uh, but that's, those are the kind of the brands, the brands that are willing to do that yeah. are the ones that, and I've actually in quote unquote fired uh, <laughs> brands because yeah. I look at the cost of, you know, and, and that, that they're not policing uh, they're, they're, have, they're not aware of what's going online. They really don't care. And, uh, and then by the time they, they will care, it's going to be bad, you know, yes. because now you're in a situation where there's been serious uh, brand value perception erosion. Yeah. And, and so it's just the opportunity cost of, of, of working with brands that do not have a handle uh, is just, it's just too high. So we're, we've actually cut who we work with based on, you know, people that are willing to invest resources because we're investing resources too, like, you know, uh, yeah. in, in reports and in advertising and, and everything. And we just want to make sure they're going to the, the, the best place. Yeah. And you, you do bring up something that is very important. Document, 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 not only, not only bringing in the highest person in that organization. Uh, it's interesting because there was a situation that we, we were involved with earlier. And if the individual didn't have the documentation, they would have been toasted. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Dave, on that one? It was it, oh, it was it was it was very interesting. It's literally with a Fortune 50 brand, and this third-party seller was was led to believe for almost a year he was going to be one of the select chosen, right? And he did purchase orders accordingly. He did all this. He goes on vacation and comes back and finds out he's not. 
as he's sitting on half a million dollars of product, right? And uh, yeah. he documented everything. And what it was, what it came down is it's, it's the disconnect internal, right? When you talk about going very high up, it's refreshing to hear you say that because you got a sales manager to a VP of sales to a e-commerce channel person, and then you got the executive team, and then you got legal over here, and they're all gonna gonna scrap, right? They're all gonna yeah. have different, you know, legal's gonna be cut them off. I'll file lawsuits. What's your agreement? We're gonna get the e-commerce. Like, we hear this all the time, and we, you know, and then you get yeah. the VP going, okay, and then the VP calls us and goes, no, we're not gonna do that. They're a big seller. And then it's like, yeah. oh, you're yeah. like, okay, well, we're, you know, you, you can play us as the good cop, bad cop here, but we can't do the good cop, bad cop thing on the same call. Yeah, <laughs> if, it, they don't always go to the shows, but if you can get the CEO or the or the, the person that started the brand and I, and I actually had this conversation and we had a great, you know, I was like, uh, I was like, you don't have, you don't need me. You've got a great brand. It's great represent you know, you can just do this to say, I told you so yep. you were wrong. And I was, I was right about you and you're wrong. I was like, you're in that position, you know, and the, these guys who built these companies, a lot of times they're just something interesting. And if you spark their curiosity, yep. they'll, they're will because they're, they're entrepreneurs too. They're yep. curious about how things. And, and so you have all these people in the middle that are these policymakers and policy followers, but then you have the person that started it and he did it because he's curious and he, you know, does or she doesn't have uh, any boundaries as to what they're willing to explore, and yeah. they're in a position uh, to uh, to allow themselves to. If if you can you can have this conversation, meet this you know this kind of elevator pitch, yeah. um, it's harder to do, it's harder to master, and it you know, and you need to know your stuff because these guys will read you. Oh yeah, uh, you know, fast and like it is like, yeah. and I go to these trade shows and I can look around and I can see like people that have, you know, have, have been third-party like retail arbitrage type sellers and they act differently. They talk differently. And it's, and it's so easy for the brands to, to, to spot them. So you really need to, you know, become familiar with the type of customer these brands are looking for, even if they don't realize it. Oh, um, for sure. And that's part, of, that's part of, well, that's part of, you know, also you willing to have the conversation with someone like us, right. Where you're, you're understanding, like, listen, listing your products on Amazon, promoting your products on Amazon, doing these types of things to try to get the conversion, that's only half the spectrum. Because yeah. the minute you become successful, the minute you see that, um, you know, somebody types it in camel, 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 and they find three of them at, at, at Ross, and then they're going to go, I'm going to go find more. The minute you become successful, people are going to try to find a way to get on there. And, and sometimes then it's, it, it's never too late but the job becomes twice as hard to actually go and clean that up because then all that product's out there and then you got to have some rough conversations. So I think it's important that you, you have to, you know, I always say, I said this when I first started my career in this, you know, in the dot-com days, right. When it was, you know, a cyber squatting issue that the internet is amazing that it created all this Avenue for us to promote and sell products, but it also, created a whole other issue over here that we now have to create and create e-commerce people. We have to create channel compliance people. You got to keep, you know, distribution issues. You got to have different policies for it. It's not a negative. It's just rethinking and adjusting. And I think, you know, this whole pandemic shifted that even more. We knew where things were going to go with malls closing and big box retailers, but this really hyper pushed that, right? That this actually said, okay, well, if, the, if, if you can't go to the stores, you go online. And that's where some of the, you know, like last year when you said, you know, around May, you got to kind of really rethink things. 
what's that going to look like? What's the holiday season going to look like? What's it going to look like moving forward, right? I mean, we've, we've now went through that and now third-party sellers are an integral part of every manufacturer's channel. And how do you make sure you have the right ones versus the wrong ones? And then when you pick the right ones, how do you go after and make sure that, you know, you can close, you can, you can get rid of the ones who are actually infringing on the brand, right? So you can't move mm-hmm. the right way. And that's why it's important to have these types of conversations because you have insights that we don't, right? I'm a, you're, you know, you're in a sense a nail and I'm a hammer, right? So sometimes you got to understand what are we building? <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And, and it's, we need to be a different type of customer and you need to understand like where your core companies lie. Like we try to pitch the brand on the importance of having a company like you involved in the business, because I, honestly, if I develop a relationship in the, in the, and we're selling well, inevitably, if there isn't some form of how an associates working with a vendor, or if they don't have an internal team devoted to it, um, it's, I'm going to end up, all that time I've had going to be wasted all the, you know, growing the, uh, the brands, uh, uh, you know, across the different, uh, the landscape increasing, uh, brand awareness, stuff like that. It just, it just, all that time goes, is wasted. Um, you said it, right. You said that you had to, you know, basically fire a brand. Well, we've got, we know third-party sellers that will not engage with the brand unless they have a level of channel compliance because they can't commit um, to to move in the product the right way, they can't they they can't sit here and take on that risk of having that product and then having so much you know arbitrage or 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 too many sellers out there. It's okay if you're not the only one, but 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 being one of five is different than being one of fifty. Yeah, right? and, and exactly, and that's that's a key point. Like, I don't want to be the only one. I don't want the burden. And if yeah. people you know, like talk about exclusivity, if it's a small brand, that's, that's one thing, but on a medium or large scale size, I personally don't want the pressure on me that if something happens to me, all of a sudden there's the, 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 the uh, listings tank because of uh, you know, sales ranks fall and stuff like that because of out of stocks and stuff like, so it's, it's, it's simple wisdom to put, you know, your eggs in, in different baskets and have a, a, a bundle of sellers. But I, I really wish the brands would have some kind of tryout program where, you know, you can, you can measure like, cause I, I'm happy to, to stack us up against anybody else. And, 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 uh, cause I believe that, you know, we, uh, we're focused on the right things. And I, and I really sincerely believe that we can bring more value to the table, uh, than the average customer. And it's really, it's, it's really on that. They don't, they may not need us, but I believe they do need somebody like us there helping them. And maybe not just one of us, like five or even 10, depending on the size of the brand, if it's Nike or something like that, yeah. you know, you, you want to make sure you have enough coverage and you want to make sure that you have the right, you know, players on the team. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think I always think somewhere between that five and 10 is a very manageable number um, in how you pick those five or 10. I mean, that there's different criteria, but I think what it comes down to is just what that third-party seller is willing to do to ensure that relationship, right? And keep that communication open. And I think if you can do that, they're all happy, but you're never going to stop. You could have that five to 10 authorized, but you're never going to stop those 30 or 40 from popping up. And that's yeah. why you've got to have someone like you where your fingers on that, when the buy box gets, gets lost 
for whatever reason, somebody that's not out there, that's communicated to somebody like us. We investigate it. We create the enforcement action. And then we get back to the manufacturer and say, this is what we want to do. And then we get the go ahead. That everything I just said there happens within hours, right? And you have to be able to do that. And sometimes, just like the case with, with you, sometimes that enforcement action might not go through an enforcement action, might go through a communication because there was a breakdown in somewhere in that channel. That's fine. Once we identify that, we can adjust. Very, yeah. very nimble. But what you, you know, not you know, not to be cliche, but knowledge is power, right? You got to know everything going into it to be able to come out with that really good, you know, how do we keep this clean moving forward, right? Yeah. How do we get the Daniels of the world to go, hey, we did a 20,000 RPO last quarter. We want to do 80 next quarter because we did so good. But we also saw some other, th other third-party sellers pop on there. We lost the buy box a little bit, but still moved through our product. We want to commit to more, but we need to make sure that's clean over there too. Yeah. I think it's very, it's, it's very, important to have that that both sides of the conversation because it's a win-win and the consumer yeah. wins in the end too yeah yeah and it's uh, the one of the, the brand that i actually uh, was involved with maurice uh as in recommending y'all uh <laughs> the reason that that happened was because not just of the the map issues we've had but they had uh some some attacks on the listings and and this is a product that is sold uh 90 of the sales happen in three months the three coldest months of the year and this is when the, the listings came under attack and they blew them all apart. And within, we have software that on the listings we sell on automatically notifies us of every single change to a listing. And uh, it, people were, it was large variation listings with thousands of reviews just blew up. The sizing changed, everything was, you know, and the vendor and I uh, were worked with their, their listing company to help get it cleaned up. But it was every day they were, blowing the listing up there was, it was like, and i'm talking about thousands of listings um and it, it really hurt us because you know we bought it brought in all this inventory we're one of their authorized 10 sellers and uh it it really hurt us but it would have hurt us worse had we not had this uh this software that helps us identify any listing changes and notify immediately the uh, the brand what's going on um so yeah, it's, that's the kind of stuff that I would not the, not the sending the list of like, Hey, what are you going to do about it? You have 94 sellers <laughs> below map pricing. Is there anything you could do? Because I've got zero buy box share because I'm holding the line. Yep. You know, do you have somebody that you could turn, you know, you could, you could send this <laughs> to, you know, it's like, it's hard, you know, to have this much inventory here, you know, and, and I'm paying fees on it. And especially at, you know, Q4 time where Amazon, you know, does the five times storage fees, you know, it's, Oh man it's it's rough you know it's 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 a bad time of the year to have everything blow up <laughs> so, and it's insidious too because when they did it they would they changed the sizing and everything uh so the customer's ordering a large and getting a small and you know <laughs> you would think you would think a brand that has brand registry like that you know would be protected from that but apparently if you know how the system works you know you can you know brute force it yeah well and it's also important too and you know um if anybody's thinking of just becoming a third-party seller, because we do have a lot of those, you know, you know, one or two Z's that are thinking of becoming a third-party seller, I think that that just just the 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 knowledge that you bring, you know, Dan, talking about this, people need to understand when you watch a TikTok or you watch a YouTube video or you whatever, and they're like, "Yeah, I got this cool thing. I'm selling on Amazon. I'm going to get more of them, and I'm going to be drop shipping and a millionaire." There is so much more that goes into it, and 
in knowing that you know Amazon Web Services is going to be the largest advertising agency in the world. Why is that? Because it's not just about listing that product. It's not just about shipping it into Amazon. There's so much that goes into making sure that that conversion happens. It, it converts clean. And then also you're profitable, clients happy, manufacturers happy, and everybody just has this, this I mean, I had a good friend of mine, knows what I've done my whole career, comes to me and goes, yeah, I got this guy. He said, I can drop ship. I'm not even going to touch product. I'm going to make money. And I'm like, <laughs> prove it. I literally said, I go, you know what? Prove it. If you can prove it to me, I, I, I'm into because yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of in the industry and I've never really seen that happen unless you wanted yeah. to go with Amway or something. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's still, I don't even know if that's still a thing, but regardless, <laughs> I'm like, huh, that's just kind of funny. So take his word, not mine. So <laughs> yeah, it's, there's so much bad information. And if uh, I learned a long time ago, because I bought too many courses and stuff, because I've been introduced in entrepreneurship for a long time, that the best way to make money online is to sell courses on how to make money online. And it's, if it, if what they're saying was worthwhile and this big moneymaker, they'd be doing it. Instead, they're getting you in their funnel and you become the product that, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's, it, it, I, I very, uh, there, there's so much bad information. There are so many courses that I've, you know, that I've, I've gotten. It's, it's, and, and it's, it's sad because people spend a ton of money, uh, you know, trying to learn this way. And, um, yep. nowadays I just, anybody asks me about what I do. I, there's one book I recommend the millionaire fast lane. I don't recommend the second book unscripted, not because it's not great. It's because it, it creates such a level of anxiety in, in the person that reads it. I read that book and I left 10 years at a, a fortune 500 company as a high level analyst there. Right. And, uh, in, in a week of reading that book and, and I put in my, my, I put, I gave him a three months notice, but that weekend I was out and, uh, there is good information out there and I'm, I'm a, I'm a strong proponent in, in paying for training and trying to, to, to gain more knowledge, but you've got to, there's so much garbage yeah, and fake I, gurus. I we, Amen. We do a lot of education <laughs> here. And I, I, I kind of coined this a while back. Um, and it, you know, I, I'm going to take credit for it cause I've never heard it before, but I, I always say, you know, those who can't do teach, but those who teach well have done. Yeah. And, and I think it's important because it, it, you know, everybody can say, yeah, I sold 10 houses and I became a millionaire. And now I'm going to just spend the next 20 years. And so you tell you how I did that. Well, that's not really the case, right? We all have that one cool thing we did. We have that one great transaction. Well, that doesn't mean that's the exception, not the rule. So how do you really go through and do that? And I think there is a level, you know, if Jeff Bezos goes out there and says, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do a series on how to start an e-commerce company from scratch. Well, that's somebody you might want to listen to, whether you like him or not, because he's done it. But the guy who, you know, created one little e-commerce site and sold it for $23,000 and now he wants to sell you a course for $20,000 might not be that person. Yeah. Look, right? look at my revenue. Look how much revenue I did. <laughs> it's like, all right, how much profit is there? Oh, you, you, you don't have any profit. It's negative. All right. Or, 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 you know. or, or, I love the guy who goes, yeah, I make $150 an hour doing what I've done. I only worked two hours last week. You know, people only paid me for two hours, but it's great. Why don't you show me, you know, it reminds me, we'll, we'll end on this because I got to do it. Wolf of Wall Street, right? That one yeah. of my favorite things, the movie, regardless what it is, but when he goes in there, he goes, 
if you show me a check for that, I will quit my job right now. And he pulls out the check and he goes, <laughs> here's what I made last week. And he gets on the phone. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Right. Yeah. That's right. Proof, right. You show me what you've done. Don't show me, don't, don't sell me something that might not be there. And I think that that's what a lot of third-party sellers, they read these books for dummies or they read these things and they jump into it and they don't understand. And, and what that does is that makes it harder on you it creates more work for me and it actually makes it's worse on the brand. So having these just fly by night, third party sellers popping up and going away, they do more harm than they do good. And how Absolutely. do you get that education? How do you do it? I think, I, I think you start, start at the top. You said this at the beginning of the call, start at the top, go to the top of that manufacturer, let them know what detriment it can, it can happen. Get that distribution in line, get their sales channel in line, then they'll stop a lot of those. You may not stop the onesie twosies, right? I don't care about the guy that goes and buys yeah. four things at Ross, right? That he got yeah. a pair of Jordans. I care about somebody that gets his hands on a, a pallet of something that can totally disrupt that channel for 90 days. That's yeah. something that, that becomes an issue. And yeah, we can get it so he doesn't get a pallet again, but you're going to upset all those authorized sellers. You're going to have to do discounts. You're going to have to do something to do that. And And there's a way to avoid that, right? And that's, vetting good third-party sellers, putting the right things in place. And that, you know, that's kind of where we'd end on that. <laughs> well, Daniel, sounds good. I have a feeling that uh, we might be talking a little bit more because there's some valuable things that you said in relation to potential topics down the road that can really yeah. benefit folks that uh, are in the same position that you, you've been uh, and appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate y'all having me and, uh, you know, coming after me originally, you know, <laughs> we, wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't have this, be having this conversation had you not. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, anytime y'all want to talk, I'm happy to give you, uh, a, a, a third party perspective and, uh, you know, tell you more about how I got here. And, uh, the, I don't, I don't care about sharing knowledge that I have. Like I, I had some very generous people early on to me that yes. had they not been open, uh, I wouldn't be in the position I am. Yeah. And I, I would, I would want to keep, I want to compete against people that are in it for the long haul. I don't, I don't mind competing against those guys. And so yes. uh, I'm happy to, you know, to share anytime y'all want me, just let me know. I will indeed. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> thanks for your time. And yeah, anything else that comes up, we're here for you. And uh, we look forward to chatting again. Right, take care guys. 